welcome to all the listeners. Uh, I'm so happy to present a new friend of mine, uh, Marina Paris, and um, I hope you can introduce yourself because I know you are uh, not French, but please tell us, who are you? <laughs> who I am? I <laughs> born in Hollywood, California, and now living in France, and when I got into horses, I got into horses at a very late age. I didn't grow up with them, but I discovered them when I worked with handicapped people and horses for about a month on a on a farm in Switzerland. And there was something about the look in the kids' eyes and um, what it did for them. Right, something inside of me said, "You've got to. Um, I've got to know more about these amazing beings and how they interact with humans." And that's where my journey started. That's where my horsemanship journey started. And it got to the point where I said, okay, I'm going to drop what I'm doing from the corporate world. And I really let go of um, let go of that world to step into the horse world. And I spent a good three years in the States, mostly in the States, and also in France, learning as much as I could about horses. And um, it was at that point, it was the... In, it was the international program in Europe to become a Pirelli instructor. So the ranch that was in France and the ranch in Montana that was run by a Frenchman who just wanted a good horsemanship approach and he was affiliated with um, Pirelli. So I spent two years with them learning from fantastic horsemen and living, you know, just living around horses, being around horses 24 seven is a huge, um, that's the biggest oh. gift. To, did, um, did you work there or, or was it a course or or how how did you do that yeah. it was a clever business setup from their standpoint because they basically bought young horses maybe two three years old and um, they wanted to then sell them to people who were in a sense retired they now had time for themselves i had the financial resources to have horses and they were usually at least in the um u.s market they're not hugely experienced riders so they needed horses that were relatively bomb proof so we basically took these young horses and moved them through the different horsemanship levels so that they could do the basics and um, these people buying them would feel comfortable with them and have a safe horse so That's I did that for, for two years and um, I also spent half a year in Death Valley as a wrangler Friends of mine had a had an outfit there, so when it's um, when it wasn't too hot there over the winter months, we had a lot of tourists come in, and it just did beautiful rides into the desert. Wow, fantastic! Mm -hmm. So you were were there uh, to help them because you you have to live uh, also. I mean, did you get food and and everything for your work or? It was an exchange. You're right. I had a place to live and I had food there and stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I basically took um took stuff out of my savings so I could make this make this shift. Wow. Because three years, I know, I realize it's a long time, but I mean, my dad helped me there, and for that, I will be eternally grateful because it allowed me to turn my life around and do something that that I'm passionate about. Yes, that feels meaning meaningful. Yes. Yeah. And what did you do then when you have all this experience? 
the goal, the reason I started into it was to make the world a better place for horses. Mm -hmm. Because I had spent so much time in environments where there was a lot of space. I could see how the horses lived. I could see how they interacted with humans. And I saw what was potential in the horse-human relationship. So I wanted to take that experience back with me to Switzerland to just to kind of get the people to realize how much of the horse's welfare, well-being, health is determined by the human. And um, that was a big that was the biggest one because what I noticed in my time on the larger ranches where the horses had space, they had um, they lived in large herds, they had food twenty four seven. We really didn't have problems with the horses. Wow. And I see how many, and then you go back to Switzerland, which is truly not a horse country. There are horse lovers, but it's not made for horses because the space is relatively confined and a lot of horses spend um, half the year without fresh grass just because you only have one pasture and you need to protect it, obviously. I can understand all that, but it just has a huge impact on the horse's well-being because of that. Yes, yes. So the idea for me is just to bring awareness into, into the horse world because I can really only help the horse <laughs> by working with the human or through the human, just creating yes. awareness. I just, I'm not there to tell them what to do or anything like that. It's just about, hey, have you thought about this or have you thought about trying mm -hmm. this? And through my further education as an Aponaquest instructor in the equine facility, facilitated learning I realized how much of an impact our ener our energetic state our emotional states our mental states how that impacts our the interaction with the horse yes and it, for me it's a it's a great mix it's a great mix to bring in different levels of um, experience and knowledge oh. How do you teach then? Do you teach online or you have uh, students at home or, or how do you do this? Well, thanks to you. I mean, we've only had two short interactions, but I am inspired to doing more online because mm -hmm. I have a feeling I can only reach so many people. When I interact online, I could um, reach a lot more people. Yes. So I would like to do more in that direction. I have right now I have weekly webinar in German where we meet and we talk about and exchange ideas, just an open forum in that, in that sense. But I'm re yeah, I'm inspired to relaunch my ideas for, for the um, online world. Thanks to our conversation. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more offline afterwards. Yeah. But right now it is one-on-one -on -one or it's workshops. Okay, but still doing. online. Um, um, no one. Um, in the physical world. In the physical. Okay. Yeah. I never thought it was possible to do it online. To tell you the truth, because I remember one horseman. I I think it was Mark. I, yeah, it was Mark Ashi when he was in Switzerland. He said, you know, whenever I only talk to the human and never see the horse, I'm only hearing one side of the story. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so that that somehow that sentence stuck with me. And I thought, okay, if I only hear the human, then maybe the horse is telling me a completely different story. That's right. 
And um, that has stopped me in a sense until now. And I'm going, so it's made me rethink since saying, hey, I can do something for the human. It doesn't have to, I don't always have to see the horse. No, because as you said, it's, you start with the humans and and mm -hmm. teach them and talk to them. Mm -hmm. Because uh, every horse has the, their expression um, and they, they do it in a way. So it's up to us as a human to understand it. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, so... I will do more in this area because I have a ton of ideas and I've I've got it all on paper. I've got it all outlined already. Yeah. So it's all there. It's just that inner step to to doing it. What what do you work mostly with? Is it um, the connection with with the horse and and people, or is it therapy, or what what is what is your mainly thing you're doing well two if you want to call it target or uh, target customers one is the horse owner or horse person that works with horses and there my expertise is in getting increasing the communication improving the communication yeah getting people to realize that the horse is just mirroring it back to them so mm -hmm. basically my coaching work comes in very strongly into this it's not about how you say the perfect technique. I'm not a person on the techniques, but on the relationship between the horse human. What kind of a human do I need to be so that my horse wants to be with me? Mm -hmm. Because I think until you have a horse that wants to be with you, everything else is going to be a struggle. Yeah. There's always going to be resistance. And I mean, as a human, we also don't want to be in a relationship. You know, we choose people that we want to be with. That's right. The horses doesn't get a choice. The people think, oh, it's a great horse. It can do this, this, and this. But um, can you offer the horse what it needs as a human? And so that's my that's my goal with this audience. And when I'm coaching people with horses, I want them to the go theirs to live a heart based life. Basically, what's what's inside of you? Are you living somebody else's life? The expectations of your parents, of society of the perfect of a career person or are you living the life that something that makes you happy and that fulfills you at the end of the day mm -hmm. and horses do their authentic feedback about how they perceive us is the key to opening doors for people yeah that's right we are we are very much like a horse in in a box <clears throat> we we uh, learn to be in this box and uh, yeah. Nobody ask us uh, what what we think that we will work with or or do, and so on. So so that's that's right. You have a mirror in the horse. They're they're fantastic. They're fantastic. Yeah. brilliant. They're worth a million. They're really worth a million. As a as a co trainer, as you want to call it, in in this work, whether you're a horse owner or somebody who has no experiences with horses, they can they can open doors to your heart like no other. In my opinion, like no other form of um, self development or personal development. And and we were also talking a little about uh, with with pain and and things about that. Um, 
and and you told me that horses don't express their pain as the same way as a dog do and a, a cat do so so they have a lot of um, expression in themselves um, if you look carefully you would see it yeah but if you're a person who just buys a ticket so you can watch horses jump over things or attend races you're not in it for the well-being of the horse you have other priorities and you look more at the result, but not how is it processed or how is a horse on the way to achieving that result. That's why somebody who doesn't have a trained eye is not, may not see the pain or the stress that the horse is going through during a certain maybe dressage competition or racing around the track or jumping, mm -hmm. you know. But if, yeah, they don't have that loud pain, they do have it when it's extremely high. But um, in the normal day-to-day, -day, people will not see that. And you have to want to see it. Mm -hmm. You really have to want to see the pain. Not that you look for it, but you're interested if the horse is your partner or even in a human relationship, you care about how the other person is doing. Yes. And when you care about it, then you're going to also look to make sure, is a horse okay with what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Is there a form of resistance? Am I stressing it? Is it bored? You know, the whole myriad of emotions and feelings that a horse can have, we have to be attuned to those. Mm -hmm. That is, if if you see your kid or, or your parents or something coming into the room and and they are sad, you can feel it and you can see it on uh, long before they come inside the room. Right. And and you have to have the same thing with the horse that you have to learn to see it and feel it when when you own a horse you have to care care for the horse to that extent it has to be yes. more than a means to an end when it's a means to an end you worry about the physical you know that it has you know expensive food expensive nutrients that you know five-star barn yeah but that doesn't um, make a horse want to partner with you that's right it needs to you need to connect on on another level and just care enough about it so that um and I think a lot of times people have so much pain inside of them that they may not be able to see the pain in others. You know, that could, that could also flow, flow into the equation sometimes, subconsciously, of course. But I mean, yeah, you need to get to know yourself as well, not just only the horse. This is an, an interesting view as you said, maybe we are so inside ourselves that that we have difficulties to come out with it. Yeah, I think when people are surviving all day long, which I think a large part of society just survives. Yes. And it's usually when you get to a, where the pain point is big enough, then you have to take a break and then you start taking your life apart. Yes. To saying, hey, you know, is there another way? Yeah, often you you just do what your parents told you, what the teachers told you, and mm -hmm. what the society tells you to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But but are you really happy? And yeah, I truly believe that some things will change in your life, or maybe a health issue may come up if you're not used to expressing what's really inside of you. You know, what's in your heart. 
you know, you want to, but some filter says, oh no, I can't do that. I can't be a farmer. I need mm. to be an engineer. Yes. I mean, it happened to me too. My my dad wanted me to go in another direction. Yes. And it was only after his passing that I could move, go with horses. Just to give you an idea of how strong that was in my own life. I went to university, I did all that. And I had great jobs, you know, I wasn't totally unhappy. But that pressure, once he passed away, that pressure was gone. And it was oddly enough, that's when I um, opened, I said, mm, I could do something. He also died early for me. He died a year after his retirement. So I thought, wow, can you imagine you live your whole life, mm. work for your family, you know, do well for your family. And then you unfortunately had a heart attack. And I thought, wow. Am I really doing what makes me truly happy? Or yes. so that was a big eye opener for me when he I was 30 at that time. Hmm. That was a big eye opener to whose life do I want to live? Is it his life? And it was very well meant, you know, there's no hard feelings towards my no, father. No, of course. Our parents will our best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even if it comes out different than we want wanted to as a child yeah. but it's it's what they can offer us yes how do you do when when you get a, a customer or patient or what you call them uh, is it your own horses or how they their their horses with them or how do you work with them when people come out to the farm here i like i like to work with my own horses Mm -hmm. but it's not I've I've worked with so many other horses that it's not a big deal I can work with almost any horse in a in a client situation of course in terms of coaching you can't if a person you know is not in a good frame of mind when they come and they're working on issues you're not going to select a horse that's extremely challenging for them no no of course you also have to see is the horse secure in its own state can it also hold the space for the person when the person breaks down or does it freak the horse out mm -hmm. and um when i do company workshops and stuff i'm also borrowing other people's horses but i also spend time with them two three times before if it's a new set of horses so they get to know me so we have a relationship going before i introduce an external a third um, unknown factor which would be um people from a company mm -hmm. so the horse selection is is important there's every horse can do it you just have to see where is the person at and can they deal with that horse where the horse is at yes um do you see a difference directly or is it uh, do it have to come two three four times or how is it working do both. It's funny. I had a lady on the phone yesterday. We, I mean, she had come two years ago to France. We only spent like two, three days, not eight hour days by any means, because it's way too much. Mm -hmm. And um, she just said yesterday it turned her life around. So there's a potential of doing um, a little. And the, I think it's just so powerful because you're living it with all your senses. Yeah. You know, every most of what we do is cognitive, which means it usually goes in one ear and out the other. 
But when you work with the horses, you attach emotions and feelings and anything that you experience through this level with your when your feelings are involved, you're going to remember it a lot more than only if your head is involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you feel the success. You feel how it is when a horse approaches you when you open your heart. These are all things that are inside of us. So you have the power to make a difference one time or if somebody wants to do it over longer coaching packages are also possible i'm a gal she wants to do it now over half a year and every two weeks we just you know work whatever comes up plus or i go through the modules that i offer that's also possible mm. i can imagine for a, a person who who had been in a box such as <laughs> yes <laughs> to to open up it takes some times before you recognize it before you uh, think that you really can live another life than yeah. than you're used to and to give yourself permission to live it That's you know right. yeah. you want to live it but am i good enough am i okay you know mm. other people do it but do i give myself permission to go my own path and the env environment as well does your spouse appreciate it you come home not always <laughs> you come home not and say now i know what i'm doing i want to do and maybe it's not always the way that other people think of you that's a good point and because it does happen mm. it does happen the great thing is you can experience that feeling, what it feels like to go down your own road, to listen to your heart, because the horse um, is looking for that kind of person. And then you go home and realize that your husband doesn't think it's a great idea if you said <laughs> yes for all these years. And then all of a sudden you say, um, no, I'm, I'd like to spend my Sunday morning differently. Yeah. Um, and that's where it takes then more accompaniment of a client if they, you know, because we always fall back. I mean, I've done head coaching myself and it's so easy. I fall back into my old patterns yes. and it's like, oh my God, wait a minute, Marina, what are you doing? So I know what it's like to fall back and we always will fall back. It's okay. Yes, we will. We have some it's... so many dreams about how our life should be and we do it two days and then it's, as you said, you fall back again. In, we in, fall in, back. Yeah. So there's... The idea of you, if you do coachings over an amount of time, so you have the fallbacks, but you also, in a sense, have somebody to catch you to, to say, hey, reminder, do you realize what's going on? Or, I mean, with the horse, they realize it automatically. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a nice thing. You don't have to say a lot because they, they see it. Yeah. And the idea is to really anchor that feeling to say, because if you've never been free, how are you going to know what it feels like? That's right. But if you say, hey, I can lead a horse, I can lead something that's 500 kilos, hmm. it follows me if I act this way, if I follow my heart, if I open my heart, if I don't hide my emotions, then you're going to want more of that. And that's the idea to have them come so I can, so they can anchor it inside of themselves. And once you've had that feeling of a taste of freedom, you don't want to go back as easily. No, that's right. You, you know can fall back, but you have tools to to get on again. Yeah, the idea is that people are independent. I don't want them to need me. I want to say, okay, I, these are the tools I give you, and I want you to be independent afterwards. 
Yes. That's, yeah. Have you seen many great changes? I hear about them afterwards sometimes. I may not hear it in the moment, but there's, we experience what we experience with the horse. And then once it's over, I like this lady who was here um, two years ago. She said, wow, that changed my whole life. You know, I got out of a marriage I'd been in for 20 years and all this stuff happened as a result. And I hear that with other people after the fact, because it's not over when it's over here. It continues to, or even with corporate saying, they say, you know, whenever I have a challenge with a certain employee, I remember what it took for me to be assertive, to get the horse to go from A to B. And I go back into that and I apply it when I have a difficult employee or one that's resisting what I'm trying to do with them. I, so it has that effect for a long time afterwards. Mm. And as you said, when, when you had taste it a little bit then you want more and and you go on and that's the idea yeah people are able to manage their own lives manage their own teams because they have what it takes inside yes that is also a, a good thing for when you talk about lead other people mm -hmm. um, it's fantastic that you you have so many horse people that are good leaders because they don't want to force the horse. They they want to lead in the right way. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of people that say that uh, you learn so much from the horse in, in these things. The, I mean, I would never be who I am without my little munchkins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was not the leader type whatsoever. I was always happy to be in the shadow of somebody else. Yes. The right-hand person, the other one's out, is out in front, and I just do all this stuff to make sure that um, they succeed and have what they need. And then I realized, oh, oh, with horses, it doesn't work that way. No. <laughs> I need to show up differently if I want to work with my horses to get them to do stuff. Yes. And um, I can tell you it's better than any leadership training you ever do in the corporate world it's so hands-on it's so real there's no bsing there's no way around it if your horse doesn't move it doesn't move that's so right you can't move be, it you can't you can't <laughs> move it or you know we, we have an, a great exercise to um the horse is loose so we give a halter to the person say okay go ahead and put a halter on a horse that has a choice you know mm -hmm. It has a choice and it can walk away from you if you're not showing up the way you need to show up at that moment. Yes. In companies, we people don't have a choice or in a marriage or in a relationship, we think we don't have a choice. So we behave a certain way. Mm -hmm. But then you have, you have an empowered individual across from you who has a choice, who can say no, who's stronger. Then you have to start rethinking um, how you approach them and what's going on inside of you. That's right. Yeah. So it's, it's fantastic. I just love this work. I, yeah. could talk, I could talk for hours about it. I just love yeah. it because <laughs> I see how much comes out of it. Yeah. It's, it's good for both the horse and the, and the human. Um, you talk also about you, you um, fight for the horse. 
how how do you do that um do you talk to people about how to keep a horse or how to um <clears throat> approach them or, or how uh, one is the stabling and the feeding i mean i'm you know they're also stuck it's it's at least in switzerland it's hard to find places where you really have what you want for a horse so yeah. you know you're living here so that you take the stable that's usually close to where you're at but but mm -hmm. i just try to get people aware of okay if your horse is stabled like this you know it could be a an issue that he's going to be could be hard to handle if he doesn't have the movement he needs every day mm. you know don't blame the horse for it but you know see what you can do to make the best um solutions or you know careful what you're feeding it you don't want to think that you have to feed oats or something to a horse that can you know like prefers to be up there instead of mm. down down so, there you yeah. just have to really pay more attention and take responsibility yes you know take response for your life and for your horse's well-being Hmm. not delegated um so i try to just bring it in in the conversations with people just to create just to create awareness so that they realize okay i can make another choice hmm. if i make another choice then i have another result and even how you approach the horse i mean i learned a lot of it through my in the opponent quest program where Linda has a great way. She learned it through a stallion that was unapproachable. And there's really ways that you can, you can imagine it. When you throw a stone in the water, it creates rings. And so instead of having the stone in the water, it's your horse. And the horse also has rings around it, energetic rings, which are invisible to us. Mm -hmm. But as you walk up to the horse, you're going to, it may put its head up, an ear may come to you, a tail may shift its weight. Any change in the horse is a proximity response. So I'm basically hitting one of these energetic rings around the horse. If I'm pretty far away, the horse may just look up and say, okay, there where you are, human doesn't bother me. But as we go from one ring and one approach the horse to the next ring, we stop again when it's now it's thinking, okay, do I need to move, get away, or, you know. Mm -hmm. So with each one of these proximity responses, I'm going to take a step back and um, breathe out. So I'm basically giving the horse the space it needs and the time it needs for me to approach it. And if I find out that if I work with this with horse owners as well, not only in the coaching environment, then the horses, that in most cases, a horse will come towards you as you get yes. closest. Yes. You're giving it a choice. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's, so approaching the horse is a really a big one because, how should I say, a lot of times we come from work you know, we're loaded with all that garbage that has taken place, all the stress at work. And we really have to get into a different frame of mind and put all that behind us, step into the present moment and want to connect with our horse. And it's, we're not used to, we're used to just, okay, walk into the box, walk into the pasture, put a halter on and do whatever we're going to do. Mm -hmm. But can I connect with the horse first? So to create a relationship so he wants to even be with me um, that evening or that time that we have together. It's like without a connection, everything is superficial. 
Hmm. So you're just taking the relationship to a different level hmm. where the horse can influence your behavior. And that's maybe hard for people. You know, they're so used to telling people what to do. They tell their horse what to do. Yeah, you don't learn these things on a riding school. No, asking the horse, do you want to? No, never. <laughs> you never. just on the saddle on and, and then we are going to riding. And, and the horse is lazy, he's stupid, he is that mm -hmm. and that. Um, All this stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's time. It doesn't happen a lot, but I've gone out to the pasture and I've got a no from my horse two, three times when I came. For whatever reason, sometimes I know it's me because <laughs> my mind is going a mile a minute and my horse realizes that. And he said, in that state of mind, you can forget it. Mm -hmm. But I prefer to stay with the herd. And the other days where I think I'm calm, I'm relaxed, but it still doesn't come. It's like, okay, so what? Mm -hmm. Then I can walk away again and it's not a big deal. I can accept a no yeah. without taking it personally. Yes. It's so strange that that we have that with with horses that we we just uh, think they are going to accept us in in any ways, but we don't do that with our spouse. <laughs> that we always ask, "Will you go in? Will you go for a walk, or will you do something?" And you get an answer. And uh, it is the same with the horse, uh, but we are so used to that today I want to ride and we pick up the horse and we do mm -hmm. this. That's a very good point. And that you say is in our partnership and our family mm -hmm. you ask, Hey, do you feel like doing this? Should we go to the movie? Shall we do whatever? Yes. But a horse doesn't get asked. Not a lot. No, no. What they want to do that day. Sometimes I want to ride and they just want to go for a walk or something. I've, I've mm -hmm. changed my agenda because of that yeah you know if it happens every day i would i would be concerned that I, there's something not right if a horse doesn't want to be with me mm. i really have to rethink how do i spend my time what kind of frame of mind am i in when i'm with the horse you know yeah so yeah that's kind of where i work with people and horses in this direction just it's all about self-awareness so you you get customers where you are uh, and you are in france and i have been asking you before you are from usa and you have lived in switzerland and now you live in france do you also speak french yes <laughs> <laughs> my mom thankfully she started speaking because she's swiss she spoke or taught us French at home or got us started at least. Uh -huh. Then I had it in high school and somewhere along the lines, even in my last job in the business world, I had a Belgian boss. Mm -hmm. So I took the opportunity to speak French. So I've kind of, you know, it's enough to get by, but the people that come here are usually Swiss. That's why I'm not too far from the Swiss okay. border. Okay. Not more yeah. than an hour and 15 minutes from the border. Hmm. I mean, I could attract French clients, and I would like to work more internationally, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I do get I do get along pretty pretty well. But I I would like to improve my French because the nuances are something. The way somebody says something, 
you can only say those in your maternal tongue usually. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talk differently in English than I talk in German, although I'm fluent in German. But the nuances come out when I have somebody English speaking across from me. Yeah. But um, yeah, those three languages are good. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, thanks, oh. my mom. <laughs> how many years have you done this? How how long time? Yeah, I started in two thousand and seven. After the three years that I was gone, took a year to get back to things, and then I added the the personal development component when I finished when I completed the Epona Quest program in two thousand eleven. So the personal development work may be going on 11 years now, going on 12 years and the horse, but it's taking on a different depth now. Yes. It was You're a always lot more mechanical. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot more mechanical after the horsemanship until this other level came into it as how much we impact our, our outer world. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I think and, it's a fantastic work, and as I said, you maybe should uh, do this on riding schools as well, and and uh, so so people could know what a what a horse really are. It's not just a a thing to ride on and have fun. Mm -mm. You should see it as a, a friend. Mm hmm. It, it in a riding school they make money with their horses. Mm hmm. Unfortunately, I know there's some very few would say, okay, my horse is doing two sessions a day and that's it. But others are kind of like a mass production. You know, yeah. the horse has to function. I don't care who shows up or how they sit in the saddle. The client is expecting whatever. So we're going to do what it takes without regards to the horse. Yeah. And um, yeah, I would like to get, I would I'd also like to get into sports as well, because I believe there's a lot. I'm not a fan of doing sports with horses. There are a few people that can do it really well where you see there's a partnership and getting others to 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 that point. Um, yeah, if anybody has connections in that area where I could bring this work into sports or into st more stables, I'm very much open for it. Mm. Because, and we've come a long way. Yes, we a have. A long way with the horses. Yeah. We've really come a long way. When we think of how they started with us, you know, in the States, they were the covered wagons and, you know, they worked for us and did stuff like that. Mm. And they plowed the fields for us. Then there was a Pony Express as a form of transport. Yeah. Then we got to a comfortable stage of life where we could afford a horse that didn't work for us. That was sheer pleasure. And that's kind of where the sports and all that came along. Mm. I think this personal development is... Um, we're getting closer and closer. It's evolving the horse-human relationship, yeah. and it's nice that this aspect has has um, how you say can't always think in English um, is becoming more important or is being recognized mm. that horses can help humans develop to become better humans. I think that's the true potential of the horses at the end of the day. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. I love your work. And uh, if anybody should uh, like to contact you, uh, where can they find you? 
I've got a website. It's really with my name. It's marinaparis.com. It is in German. I have a one small section on English, but I know with Google Translate, it's no big deal to translate it nowadays. And there you'll find just more information about me, who I am. I also have my two books available on the website and on Amazon. If you're interested in connecting that way as well, the information is out there. You're speaking about two books. Tell me a little about them. I wrote one of them, The Wisdom of Horses, after spending time I spent time in Bosnia and watching wild horses just twice for maybe four days. And I took the pictures of the wild horses for this book on personal development with horses. Because I thought, wow, they're wild. And when I came home, and I mean, my horses had a good life in Switzerland, but they didn't have that expression that wild horses have, you know, that are untouched by humans, that are really a horse. And so I took the pictures of those wild horses in Bosnia-Herzegovina, put this in the book, and just had chapters on communication, respect, trust, and leadership. And all it is is just a picture of a wild horse, a quotation, and maybe half a page to serve as an inspiration for people for their own personal development. And then the second book I put out this year is called A Heart for Horses, what horses want humans to know. Because I learned from my teacher in Montana, Ronnie Willis, he said an important thing to us. So it's hard to put in words sometimes, but a lot of times a horse is where it's at, the human is where it's at. A lot of time we'll bring the horses down to our level, to where we are as a human, instead of moving up to where they are at. It's something you do. You want people to fit into your picture of life. You know, you buy a horse. I talked to a lady the other day. She said, I uh, I had a horse for eight years. I wanted it to conform to how I horse, thought a horse should behave and what it should do for me. You know? Hmm. So how much of your mechanism to control others flows into your time with horses? Can you just accept it for what it is and work with what it's given you? Or does it have to conform to where you are at? For example, I, I by chance ended up with my second horse, Riverdance. I thought, holy cow, she's a thoroughbred mix with a warm blood and goes fast. And, you know, <laughs> compared to my quarter horse, and I thought either I can just ride her in the arena and always go to walk and trot, or I could get out of my comfort zone so that I could also canter her um, outdoors and without a bit. So I had to do a lot of stuff on my own to get to that level to where she was at yeah. instead of bringing her down to my comfort level where I had been with my quarter horse for so many years mm. to, to give you an example. And so the book, um, A Heart for Horses, is what kind of human do I need to be so the horse wants to be with me? And there's topics about proper breathing. There's topics about just hanging out with horses. There's topics about leadership there's talks about having fun with your horse you know how much time do you spend having fun or is there always an agenda of performance like we do in society mm -hmm. is it performance results oriented or can we just have fun together yeah so those are the two books that i put together for people to inspire people on their path fantastic
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things to think of. And um, I also remember a lady said to me, <clears throat> uh, she said that I'm doing everything for my horse. Uh, I feed him. I, he's got uh, a good stable and he's got new shoes when he... And I, and I do everything for him. Mm-hmm. And then he throws me off when I'm going to ride. <laughs> <laughs> I but, shouldn't laugh when they fall off, but it's like people have this idea. Yeah, Yeah, but, but I recognize it for myself. Mm-hmm. You think like that as a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you care for them. You do everything. You pet them. And, and why is he so... <laughs> Why don't he want to be my friend? I used to to think of that many years ago, but uh, I I think I compare it to a, a teenager. Maybe you do everything for them, but they want to go their own way. Mm-hmm. But you love them anyway, so you had to try to to find the right way to to get into their hearts. Mm-hmm. And that's by opening your heart. Yes. That's really the only way to connect with another human or horse is to open your heart. Mm-hmm. Despite all the wounds that you've had to open your heart. That's um, that's a step within itself for a lot of people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's a big step. Yep. It's difficult sometimes. As a human that's so focused in the outside world. Mm-hmm. thinking that's the reality and when in fact you have the most important part of life is the part that others don't see yes it was fantastic and interesting to get to know you and I hope I get to know you better but uh, time is running so uh, yeah it's time yeah. flew <laughs> I can speak of this all day <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity, and that was very kind of you to um, that I could share share my journey, my experience um, my with pleasure. with your community. That was a great great honor for me. Thank you. Thank you for being here, and I hope I see you again. And thank you to all the listeners for taking this time today, and see you later. <laughs>